Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 3, titled The Recordist, or The Recordist, or however the hell you pronounce it. I'm just going to say Recordist because that's what my brain hears. Anyway... Uh, yet another very, very good episode, uh, that starts to set the pieces as to Walter's ultimate plan to defeat the Observers. We're starting to go on the hunt for these tapes and on the hunt for all these various, uh, deals, all these various parts of this whole whatever that needs to be done. Uh, so this episode starts... We unearth the first tape, which is tape number three, because Walter stored the goddamn tapes out of order. Walter Bishop is, as as an autistic man, (laughs) whose brain demands order... I declare... I I declare? What? Okay. I I was going to make a joke about how I declare Walter Bishop the enemy of autism, but my stupid flub of saying declare uh, just kind of ruined the fanfare. Point is, it's out of order and I don't like it. (laughs) Point is, it's out of order and I'm very upset about that. Anyway, so they get the tape. And they start playing it, and we can only get a little bit of information before it uh, kind of cuts out, and Nashford has to go in and kind of do some uh, little doctoring work on it. But basically, we get coordinates for some place in the middle of Nowheresville, Pennsylvania. And so, they go there. And when they arrive, they find... A civilization of people with growths of bark on their skin. Literal bark. Like, bark is growing on their bodies. And we are introduced to this civilization. Apparently they have taken it upon themselves to record human history. Uh, Since the Observer invasion, uh, they believe that Human history will be rewritten by its oppressors, so uh, they are doing what they can themselves, going around collecting uh, pieces of information and uh, planting them into this big database. And honestly, this episode plays out not unlike a really good Star Trek episode. Like, kind of, in in terms of narrative structure, I mean, obviously there are big, big differences, but in terms of narrative structure, this does feel a bit trekky. Like, they go into a strange new world and meet this strange civilization of bark people who uh, have their own society, and they need something from the society, and they are running into issues, and they're... Like, having this race against the clock, dump-dump-dump, and all that. Like, this it, this does feel very Star Trek-y. And, as someone who enjoys some Trek now and again, 
to put it mildly, I do enjoy that element of this episode. Uh, but they meet these people, and they're trying to figure out what is in this civilization of bark people, or in this area that could be useful to this plan. Uh, also, it is worth noting that the primary theory for why these people have literal bark growing on their skin is because uh, something in this area is combining with uh, the observer's uh, air quality ruining technology. And for whatever reason, in this specific area, like, it's just caused this... Like, extreme reaction, where you got this bark growing on the skin, and it's clogging up pores, uh, and it's just going slowly and slowly and slowly, and eventually, given enough time, it'll just consume their entire bodies. So, there's that. Uh, for whatever reason, this particular area is really, really bad in that area, uh, and it is, uh... It's an interesting concept, and I uh, I do find it fascinating. I do find it very, very fascinating, and it does work for this episode as a nice little race against time, because if they spend enough time there, then Bark will start growing on their skin. And that's, that, that's bad. That's not what you want in life. You don't want Bark skin. Bark skin, bad. <laughs> Normal skin, good. Uh, but... We, uh, we flash back to Astrid, and she's unearthed enough of the tape fragments. Uh, she's cleaned up the tape enough to hear that they have to be searching for a mine. And, well, we find out about this mine. Like, now that we know exactly what it is that we have to go to, now we have it narrowed down, uh, they're able to find a very specific record entry. For an incident that took place where a man named Donald came to this mine looking for some stones with like a reddish hue. And he said he was looking, uh, he said he was waiting for a scientist from Boston. Possibly Walter. And then eventually he got taken by observers. And this was important enough because of the observer's capture that they recorded it. This happened years ago. This happened like... Not long after the invasion. So. They're looking for stones. For some reason this dude Donald. Is interested in him. And is in some way. Important to whatever Walter was doing. And then they investigate this mine. And. They find someone. Down this mine shaft. That is. Super dead. With. Massive bark growths around his entire body. Like, really, really, really accelerated. And they're able to deduce, oh god, whatever's happening with the air quality and whatever's, like, sort of button up against this air quality destroyer that uh, is just causing this barkish reaction, uh, for whatever reason, it's extremely bad in this mine. Like, for whatever reason, it is a million, billion times worse down this mineshaft. Anyone who goes there is basically going to die immediately. 
So we now have to find a way to get down there and get the stones safely. Uh, they have to, they start work on this protective suit that will allow people to go down and get it all safely. And now we got a couple of races against time going on here. Uh, we got first off, the fringe team is starting to develop like some really, really tiny bark growth, like removable now, but it will only get worse and worse over time. And also, uh, some loyalists spotted fringe division's van in the middle of Pennsylvania, and they are now tracking them to this bark people civilization. So they now have these two things going on. That are, like, we got a clock. Like, we're on a clock. We need to get uh, these stones before A, this bark skin stuff becomes irreversible for the fringe team. Or B, the loyalists find them and they get captured. Also, by the way, I, I must mention, I adore this one moment where, like, immediately, as soon as Olivia spots a little bark spot on Walter... Peter's first reaction is to examine Etta and examine her very, very closely. Like, just instantly. Like, just... God. I'm just gonna say it. Dad Peter is best Peter. It's so... Like, he's just so great. And it's so wholesome. And I love it. I love watching Pete. Like, I love that little tiny addition where it's just, like, Peter's initial, like, immediate response is examine Etta, examine Etta, gotta make sure Etta's okay. Like, that protective uh, paternal instinct. Like, it's just, oh, it's great. It's it's a great moment. I really, really like that. Very, very subtle. Really, really well done. But anyway, they're building this suit, and they need some copper. Uh, now... The only place to get copper, even maybe, is a group of metal traders that are just in this area. But they don't like people poking around their turf. They don't like people just showing up. Uh, they only call uh, our recordist dude when it concerns... When it benefits them, uh, they don't really, uh, they don't really reach out much, uh, they don't like, uh, dealing with people they don't know, and they don't like dealing willy-nilly, and they are very, very dangerous, they are apparently, uh, very, very brutal people, and are not the best partners in anything. But we need the copper that they may or may not have. So we keep pushing our recordists like, hey, make contact with this, these people. Make contact with these people. Uh, make contact with these people. Like, do it now. Do it now. Do it now. And this dude's like, no, no. Like, this is too dangerous. Like, I, I, we have too much to lose. Like, you guys need to leave, and you need to make the suit on your own and come back when it's safe. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, we, we, we shouldn't, like, rush into this trade with these metal people. And eventually, like, him and Peter have a really heartfelt conversation about, like, him not wanting to say goodbye to his son, not wanting to risk leaving him without a father. And... 
eventually he decides to help. By the way, this son, I totally keep forgetting to mention him. This son has some great moments. Uh, He's a big fan of the Fringe team. He loves them. He's written comics about Fringe Division. Because remember, like, Fringe Division, they're like mythical figures in this 2036 universe. So, uh, he's written comics about them uh, and loves them and has this very, very childish idea of what is a hero and what is a coward. And there's an excellent moment when his father's still, like, trying to consider, like, whether to help or not, whether to con- whether to go up to these metal traders or not, and he goes to his son and is like, "Hey, listen, there's a difference between a hero, like the complication. Yeah, the difference between being a hero and being a coward is super, super complicated. A lot more complicated than you think. Uh, being a coward is knowing." what is the right thing to do and not doing it. It's not just being afraid. Uh, And it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. And he eventually decides to help the fringe team. And it's like, okay, I made contact with these people. They got copper, but I can't go with you. Uh, Here's where to go. Here's what to trade. Anyway, go on your merry way. And then Peter and Olivia go to that spot. And there's nothing there. While this happens, our recordist goes into the mine and goes down the mine shaft and collects the stones. Like the, by the way, we did clean up the tape more to find out we need 40 pounds of the stuff. Uh, found the 40 pounds of these stones that are going to be used as a power source for something. Uh collect it all and bring it back up to the top and sacrificing himself in the process. It is only after we find his dead body that we find out for sure there was never any copper. Those metal traders didn't have copper. Uh, When he tried to contact him, they were like, no copper, no copper. Uh, We don't have any to trade. Like, sorry, dude. And... He just went down and got the stones himself because it was the only way to get this material. It was the only way to get what Fringe Division needed to stop the observers. And so he went down there knowing that it would cause, like, the bark growths on his skin to go out of control and kill him. Knowing that that would happen, but doing it anyway. He knew what to do, and he did it. He was not a coward. He died a hero. And there's this beautiful ending where as Fringe Division is leaving and evading loyalists, uh, ditching their van, getting a new car, uh, the son is taking over recording duties and writing this entry about his father. Like, a hero died today. Uh, The recorder of history made history uh, by helping Fringe Division, getting what they needed to stop the observers. Yada, yada, yada. Like, and it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. By the way, there's also a really, really good subplot in this that I have not mentioned at all. uh, Where Olivia is kind of struggling with whether or not she deserves to have Etta back. Uh, She is remembering the time after 
they lost Etta after the invasion where Peter was just desperately trying to get Etta back, desperately trying to get Etta back. And Olivia is revealing that at this time, she thought for sure that Etta was dead. Like, she was running the odds in her head of, as time goes on, there is less and less and less and less and less chance that she's alive. And those odds keep lowering and lowering and lowering. And eventually she was like, I don't want to find her dead. Like, I don't want to see that. Like, I, I'm, I'm sure she's dead and I don't want to see that. And that's why she went back to New York. That's why she went away from Peter. Like, not because of duty or anything, but because, like, she just didn't want to find her kid dead. And she was sure that it was going to happen. And she was sure that, like, because she wasn't sure if she was fit to be a mother or not, like, she thought this was her punishment for that. This was her punishment for having doubts about her motherhood. And, like, she spends the entire episode kind of wallowing in this, and Peter is, like, trying to coax her back, going, like, hey, no, we we got a second chance. We got her back. Like, let's... Let's enjoy it. Like, let's... Like, don't question it. Just be happy that we have our daughter back and embrace it like and it's a it's a really wonderful subplot it's really really beautiful and i love how well done it is like honestly like season five so perfectly this entire season takes these characters to really spectacular places and culminates their respective arcs like just perfectly like just so so well like I love this whole arc of like Olivia and Peter like they're reunited with for with their child after so long being separated and having to deal with that and like how they have changed because they have a kid now like it's just it's so good it's so utterly fantastic anyway uh yeah that's the episode solid episode all around uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archive, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows, and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's not work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 4. Talk to you then.